Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. And welcome to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM. And also welcome to those listening via various podcast platforms or streaming on 3cr.org.au. You're with Gemma and Liz tonight. Hi, Liz. Liz is doing hello. an amazing job on the panelling. Hello, Gemma, <laughs> and hello, listeners. Uh, it's just after 6pm on Tuesday, the 6th of June, and we're coming live from the 3CR studio in the heart of Old Fitzroy. We start by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the original and rightful custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to elders and listeners to 3CR, past and present. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri have been communicating, telling stories and sharing in conversation on this land for millennia, well before radio waves rang through the air. And we also acknowledge that this land was stolen, never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Housing has become an increasingly desperate situation for so many in the community and renters are often the most vulnerable and at risk of poverty and homelessness. The current private tenancy rates are sitting well below 1% in many parts of the state and suitable accommodation stock is often worse for those with, with little to spend or who need access to critical services. On top of that, many renters have been slugged with massive increases on their rent making keeping a roof over their head very hard and with nowhere available to go. Dunby Law recently spoke to the RAHU, or the Renters and Housing Union, but given the immense amount of uh, pressure that many in our community are feeling about their housing stability, we're focusing on the legal rights of of renters and cases currently taken to VCAT or other courts to consider these issues. To help us understand, we're joined tonight by Amy Frew. Amy is the Director of Client Services at Tenants Victoria, a specialist CLC that serves renters statewide. Tenants Victoria, Victoria's vision is for a safe, secure and affordable home for Victorian renters in a fair housing system. Good evening, Amy. Uh, good evening, Gemma and Lee. So great to have you join us tonight. Thank you so much. Um, Amy, before we get into the specifics of tenant laws um, in Victoria, can we have a bit of a, I guess, a zoom out and think about how we actually got here? Um, today, obviously, I'm sure you're aware that the RBA has just announced uh, a further increase. Uh, and obviously, that's um, been now the highest in 11 years um, that we've seen that the, that the rates are sitting at. And obviously, there's a bit of focus on landlords, but increasingly, um, there's concern about the fact that those, those costs are simply going to be passed on to our renters. 
What market factors, I guess, have, have led to this housing crisis for renters? Um, yeah, you're right, Gemma. At the moment, it seems like there's a perfect storm of all the pressures on the housing market. So I think the, the first one to say is there's not enough supply and increasing and perpetu- so that increases and perpetuates the power imbalance between the renters and the landlords. And it means that the landlords, um, you know, have the ability to raise rents, like you've said, mm. um, with, with no, you know, consequences to them because people don't have anywhere to go, anywhere else to go. So they're having to make really hard decisions to, um, you know, scrap on other expenses in order to stay housed. A few other things, I guess, just big ticket items are really long-term underinvestment in public housing, mm. um, tax incentives that make rental properties uh, um, a, a very trusted investment option for investors, mm. and that kind of ideology that renting is just like a stepping stone or a transition to owning your own home, when really we know increasingly many people will never own their own home, and that should be sort of mainstreamed as a as a you know, a way that you would live your life rather than thinking, oh, this is just a transition phase. We don't need to invest in it or regulate it to the full degree. Mm, so it sounds um, like and, it. Sorry, you go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and I'm sort of hogging the mic here, but, and I think the last one that sort of underlines all of it is that housing is an essential service and it needs to be regulated like that, mm. um, you know, rather than um, having it thought of as an investment option. Yeah, I, can, I mean, I can hear that what, what you're saying is there's there's really a, a number of policy failures that have kind of led to this situation, right? Yeah, that's right. And I think now is actually, um, you know, in a way where the renters are having their time and it's, and it's, um, it's great that you can have me on tonight. And I, I noticed that you've spoken to Arahu recently. Yeah. It sort of is a time that, we, that people can put pressure on politicians. And um, I think there's an upcoming inquiry in the Victorian Senate looking into renting and, and the housing crisis. And um, yet, yeah, hopefully, we'll see some movement and some renters' rights being advanced. Well, it's obviously a really important time um, for an organisation uh, like like yours. Uh, what role does Tenants Vic play? So we um, we offer a, a variety of services. The most um, highly used, I guess, is a telephone advice service that runs between 9.30 and um, 1.30 weekdays. Um, we also run casework, so mm-hmm. matters to VCAD and to the Magistrates Court and occasionally to Supreme Court. And we also have a um, community education um, with a particular focus on um, multicultural communities in the West. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've got a few, a few different things going on. We are a statewide service and, and hence we have the telephone access for everyone. And, Amy, uh, this is Liz here. One of the issues that seems um, really prevalent for renters at the moment is having huge rent increases. And this is too commonplace, unfortunately. So what are the current legal protections that renters have to prevent legal to prevent rent increases? So not a lot. There are there are some sort of procedural elements that need to be met in order for the rent increase to be valid. So rent can only be increased every 12 months. They can't be increased during a fixed term. So if you've got a lease that runs for, you know, more than 12 months, that has to be built into the lease when it starts. Um, the notice needs to be valid and, and um, we can talk in a bit more detail about what what might make it invalid. Mm. Um, if, if you do get a rent increase and you think it's 
you know, excessive or unfair, you can apply to the Consumer Affairs Victoria for a free review. Um, you need to do that in 30 days. A lot of people don't realise that um, Consumer Affairs offers this service um, and you can just do that via their website. Mm. If Consumer Affairs thinks, does think it's excessive, I guess that's an opportunity for you to try and negotiate with your landlord. Um, if that doesn't work, you can apply to VCAT. You can also apply to VCAT even if Consumer Affairs um, doesn't think it's excessive. Um, and then it will be up to VCAT to consider if it's excessive or not. But unfortunately, we haven't seen too many cases where they will consider it excessive. And especially at the at the moment with the, the way the market is, um, yeah, I just think that that's sort of, you might not have much joy in that space, but definitely worth pursuing and definitely worth trying to negotiate as well beforehand. That's really interesting. I didn't realise that market considerations was one of the the reasons that um, an increase could be considered as valid. And, um, of course, in in the context that we've just spoken about where, you know, the banks have been ratcheting up the interest rates, so landlords might have a reason to say, well, that's these are the, you know, prevailing market conditions. It's very competitive, tough, tough. Um, that must be really hard advice for your staff to try and relay to to people um, seeking seeking help. Yeah, it's, it is a really tough time and, and we have lots of people calling up that have just got really massive increases that they don't think they're able to meet. And unfortunately, a lot of the time it means that they have to um, relocate or, you know, move, move in with, um, you know, other friends or... Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, can result in homelessness and driving people onto, um, you know, emergency and crisis accommodation as well. And how are those support services, I guess, coping? Do you know um, from any referrals that you're having to make to other services to, to deal with with the with those flow-on effects, I guess? Mm, I mean, they're already very overwhelmed and, and people on the Victorian um, Housing Registrar, which is the um, register, I should say, which is the, the list waiting to be housed into public or social housing, the wait times are um, years. Mm. So all of those people that are out there are, are sort of, you know, moving through different short-term tra- and leaning on services that are, you know, under-resourced at the moment, unfortunately. Already really stretched. I'm sure mm. there are there are many listeners who are in rental stress at the moment who um, are probably grabbing a pen or their laptop to try and work out notes they should take down about uh, what what constitutes a valid notice for a rent increase. And we touched on it just before, but can you talk us through, I guess, how uh, VCAT or the courts have um, considered what a, what a valid notice needs to include so that we can give some pointers to the listeners? Sure. So, um, like I said, it has to meet those requirements about like only being increased every 12 months. It has to be in the particular form. So it can't mm. just be like a text message or an email. It has to use the form. And if you want to check if your form is correct, you can go to the Consumer Affairs Victoria website and have a look. Um, if they've got that bit right, they also need to put in uh, the reason for the increase. Um, and a couple of cases that VCAT have found recently, so just this year, have found that if, if you've got your reasoning there, which is just a generic sort of market review mm. or comparative market analysis, they've been found to be invalid. Mm. So, um, so there, is, there is a chance for that. Um, you know, if, if they have done a market review and they've included, you know, five comparable pop- properties, you know, that, that won't be like open to you. But it is it is worth challenging. Um, but if 
if they've done their due diligence, you might not have much luck. Mm. And the other thing, I guess, to remember is um, if they've issued an invalid increase, you won't have to pay, you know, the rent that they've said, the extra rent um, up to then, but they can, of course, turn around the next day and issue a valid increase and then the Mm. notice period will start again. Mm. But ultimately it won't um, disrupt what, what they're trying to do. And what about, uh, I guess, negotiating on on rent increases? Do you um, see many tenants coming to speak to you to ask about what kind of negotiation techniques they could use? Um, we always suggest negotiation and, and often people are um, reluctant to go to VCAT, which is completely reasonable um, to go to a, you know, a tribunal with a member can be a bit intimidating. I think things that people can, especially if they've um, been there a while, they've paid their rent regularly, they've kept the place in good repair, like that is also very valuable to a landlord. Mm. And so maybe it's worth pointing that out. And I have heard stories where, um, you know, agents have, have put, have sort of, you know, just routinely sort of suggested increases and where the renter has sort of, you know, queried or pushed back, then the landlord has, has you know, agreed that they might, you know, not raise the rent or they might raise it to a, you know, more reasonable amount or something like that. That's so it's definitely a... worth negotiating, I would say. More responsive, I see. So mm. we've, we've spoken a bit about the advice line and some of the um, some of the, the inquiries that you might have coming through to the service. Um, I noticed that in Tenants Vic's annual report, um, you reported that um, your legal teams assisted 7,862 renters in 9,818 matters. That's huge. Um, what an amazingly broad um, service to be offering. Um, and it also noticed that, sorry, noted that there were 475 instances of extended legal assistance, which, which I guess involves going that that extra step if, if the matter doesn't resolve um, between two parties privately, like drafting VCAT applications or letters and, and the like. Can you, can you talk us through perhaps what kinds of, of matters Tenants Vic might assist with um, in, at, at going to those next stages? Mm. Well, our overwhelming um, requests for help are around repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, as you said, that's... that's a, you know, a phone and email advice would, would be the vast bulk of that, um, you know, nearly 10,000 matters. But um, we do assist people to make repair applications, so um, urgent and non-urgent repair applications to VCAP. Mm. Um, we also kind of the next step in that journey is we also assist people to make compensation claims. Um, and that's where um, repairs haven't been done in a timely manner or to, you know, to standard. Um, and then the, the renter can claim compensation um, against the landlord for that. And that's actually something that not a lot of people realise mm. that there is. Um, and it's one of the sort of, you know, I guess, few uh, tools the renter has in terms of getting repairs done because, um even though there's a system set up and it should run smoothly, the enforcement of it's really tricky. Um, and like I said before, with the power imbalance between um, the renter and the landlord, it can be hard to kind of pursue those options. So one tool is, is um, sadly after the fact, but I guess um, by enforcing that in a way, you're sort of, you know, getting some compensation and, and putting a bit of pressure on the landlord to, to keep the house repaired in the future. 
Absolutely. Um, so it goes beyond just actually in, in implementing the repair. There's compensation for the, uh, is it distress or is it a um, the inconvenience of having that that those repairs not not being done um, in accordance with you know I guess what what was reasonable or the standard as mm. you say. Um, yes. So there's general inconvenience is is one of the things that we claim for. We normally think about that in the way that the loss of I guess, quite enjoyment of the renter. So let's just say you can't use a bedroom because it's mouldy. Yeah. Then you could say, well, a percentage of my rent includes this bedroom, so I should therefore get, I don't know, whatever, 25%. I'm just making up numbers here, but, you know, <laughs> depending on how many bedrooms and all sorts of, you know, factors, then you would say I, I should um, claim compensation for that. And you can also claim compensation for your belongings that have been damaged. So, um you know, if, if things got mouldy or, you know, somehow destroyed water or, you know, all sorts of things like that, you can claim compensation for particular items that have been destroyed as, unfortunately, part of renting that property. Oh, wow. No, I, I think that's definitely going to be news to a lot of people listening is that um, the, the compensatory aspect of what renters' rights can be achieved if... if, if um if unfortunately, really, they've been in a situation where their their property has been damaged and or they're in a housing lease arrangement where it's just simply, um, uh, they you know, that the repairs haven't been done in, in the way and then to the speed in which they should have been done. Um, Amy, we're going to take a, a, a short break uh, with us um, and we'll be back shortly after a few community announcements. You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. It's Radiothon time. This is where we ask you, the listener, to stay tuned, stay radical. This year we need to raise $275,000 to keep the station going. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference. It's so easy to donate. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. We rely on the community support, so please be sure to donate and stay tuned, stay radical in 2023. That each donation over $2 you make to 3CR's Radiothon is tax deductible? That means that when you're doing your tax return business, you can claim your 3CR donation as a legitimate tax deduction. To make a pledge to this year's Radiothon, call the station on 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au donate. Stay tuned, stay radical. And welcome back. You're listening to Done By Law on 3CR. We're talking to Amy Frew from Tenants Vic about housing rights of, te- of renters and what laws are in place to ensure that they are upheld during the current housing crisis. Um, so, Amy, um, the need for your service is clearly huge. Um, we've just heard about the, th- the 
you know, 10,000 odd inquiries that you receive a year. Um, I want to turn now to, to thinking a bit more about um, what the Victorian state budget has, has put on the table uh, for renters. Um, can you help explain for us um, what, what was, um, uh, I guess, bundled up within that budget? Yeah, well, I mean, not much really, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we were we were hopeful, um, given that it's um, you know really on the agenda and and you know at the on the national stage as well. But I think this budget was very lean across mm. all the sectors. Mm. Um, but I think it's a really missed opportunity because, like as I said before, housing is an essential service, and really. So many things flow from having like a safe and secure home, mm. and and I think like health outcomes and you know all sorts of well being, holding down a job, going to school, all those types of things flow from having somewhere to sleep, somewhere safe and secure to sleep at night. So um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to see more in the future. What what kind of things were you were you hoping to see in the budget? Were there a particular line items that would really help address some of those issues? Um, well, what we were hoping to see, and it wasn't so much a budgetary outcome, but, but something that we were asking for before the last election was um, a fairness formula. So going back mm. to the rent increase question before, having a look at, um, you know, how rent increases could be calculated in a way that would be fair, you know, both to the renter and the and the landlord. Mm. Um, things that could have come out of the budget, though, I guess, were... Um, conciliation service at the moment you know we sort of talked about like you can negotiate with your landlord if you like and you can try but that can be hard sometimes people might not have the confidence to do that so we were proposing also like a conciliation service um that might be able to resolve matters before they get to vcat Mm. um and the other thing would be probably funding um some recommendations coming out of the social housing regulation review Mm. Um, which had, which you know, suggested outcomes around um, social housing, so um, public and community housing. That's um, yeah, at this stage um, hasn't hasn't been got to. So, so those are things we would have hoped to see, and also, of course, um, more support for renters with, with for advocacy, so legal advocacy through community legal centres. Um, and also other um, tenancy advocates as well across Victoria. Mm. One of the more controversial announcements that I saw that the government made was to tax landlords more, and we've we've talked briefly about you know the, the sort of flow on effects of um, you know when when landlords are taxed more or when they're asked to pay more in terms of their um, interest rates. Are those costs simply being passed on to renters? Um, what what measures are there, I guess, to stop that happening, or is that just, is that just a reality of the of the market that is part of the problem? Yeah, I don't I don't think there are any. Um, certainly, there aren't any measures at the moment, and I think that's where the fairness formula would come mm. in. But I guess um, you know, in in a way, and I've definitely seen a lot of commentary from landlords about the, the tax that's being introduced. But I guess what we're not seeing is is that commentary of all the tax benefits that already flow to those landlords. Mm. Um, so, you know, a little bit of kind of redressing the, the scales um, is, is sort of what, you know, to our mind. And I guess what we're asking or what we, we would say is that, um, you know, consider the benefits of having good, stable renters in your house and, and not going to um, pass those costs directly onto the renters. Mm. 
And so just let, let's talk a bit more about the, the fairness formula. Um, would that be a, a percentage kind of pro rata that, that would be envisaged? Like, you know, the, it, a fairness formula would take into account, say, how long somebody had been a tenant for or their, their vulnerability um, and then would say, well, a, a fair increase could only be 10% of, of you know, what their, what their current amount is or h- how would that be construed? Yeah, so it's a good question. We're sort of keeping that open, I guess, not being being lawyers and not economists. Mm. But I guess it's looking at, um, yeah, the re- retaining the, the renter and making sure that they can stay in the home. But I guess it also does take into account the landlord um, because mm. if they can't service their mortgage, then, you know, they, they the renter would have to, well, more often than not, the renter might be asked to leave anyway if they sell the property. So we're, we're wanting to, I guess, strike a balance and make sure that because the main thing would really be keep people housed in an affordable way mm, yeah so it's sort of putting I guess the formula uh, looks at putting the renter at the start of the equation um, mm. rather than looking at a pure profit kind of as being the starting point of what is hoping to be achieved yeah exactly yeah yeah I see um, I, I also saw that the government has announced a forthcoming housing statement which which sounds promising <laughs> Um, what kind of matters are, are you looking to have addressed in there? I guess that some of the matters that were left out of the budget, I take it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, yep, standard formula, conciliation service. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other thing we'd look for as well is at the moment the um, government policy to move from public, you know, public and community housing are both forms of social housing. Mm. And we just want to make sure that people in those um, different housing options have the same rights. So... If there's any, um, you know, having the, the Department of Families, Fairness and Housing as your landlord or Homes Victoria, um, that should be, you should have the same rights also if, you're, if your landlord is a community housing provider. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know there were different rights that, that went with um, those different housing providers. How, how does that work? Well, it's more that the, the government is, um, you know, has obligations under the Charter mm-hmm. and, um, you know, decisions can be challenged through administrative law and things like that. And, and when you're in the social housing space, some of those avenues fall away. Ah, so, I see. That's really interesting. And that's something that um, is something for, I guess, our listeners to be thinking about for any of their friends or if they themselves are in social housing to start thinking about making sure they're across the information so that they are protected as best they can mm. be with those different arrangements. Um, on that note, I think we're sadly out of time uh, and that's it for the program this evening. Amy, thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise and your insights um, with us this evening. Thank you so much. I just wanted to say really quickly, if anyone um, missed any of the details, if you have a look at the Tenants Victoria website, it's got a fulsome, fulsome advice, probably more succinctly put. So Not at all. Have a look there. <laughs> Not at all. And we'll, we'll definitely put it on our website as well. Um, and, and Amy, can you just quickly give the um, telephone advice number as well, if you've got that on hand for listeners? Oh, I do, yes. Um, but I will say that there is a bit of a wait. So the best chance is to have a look at our website first and and see how you go. For rent, the renter support line, open 9.30 to 1.30 is 9416-2577. And we have a special line for social housing renters and rooming house residents, and that's one eight hundred zero six eight eight six zero. And again, that's on our website as well, so you can check there if you didn't have a pen. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Amy. Uh, And thank you to our listeners uh, for tuning in. We were speaking with Amy Frew from Tenants Victoria. And you've been listening to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM, streamed at 3cr.org.au and available on various podcast platforms. Done By Law will be back again next Tuesday at 6pm. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.